1: dropping this one by a final score of 129 to 115 um, in a score that is not representative of what this game was. And quite frankly, it's not representative of what this game means. I have a funny feeling and I have made proclamations before that have turned out to be dead wrong because I do three podcasts a week, and I do five newsletters, and I say a lot of shit, and I write a lot of shit. So occasionally I make proclamations, and um, those proclamations are often not correct. However, I feel pretty good about this one. I think the Knicks are going to wind up looking back on this game as something of a turning point. Um, Because that team, first of all, (laughs) Doc Rivers, he deserved to get fired. Because the fact that he let that that team lose to the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs last year is a joke because that squad is a monster. Oh, my God. And I know they don't always hit shots like this. And, of course, they hit shots like this today against the Knicks. But, man, um, I just – the NBA world, we all deserve Lakers-Clippers at some point in the playoffs because that's that's just like – Holy goodness, that's not just a good team. That is it, that is a championship team. I don't know whether they win it or not. It's another story. In any case, like, yeah, they ended up letting go of the rope in the last couple minutes of the game. The fact that they took everything the Clippers had to offer, and then some. And I mean, we're talking about a team that was not only firing all cylinders on offense generally, but on top of that, they made 17 of 38 three-pointers, and the Knicks just took every punch. And until the last four or five minutes of the game, they stuck with it. And I'm going to talk about the individual pieces. But obviously, quickly is the lead story, but Barrett deserves um, a lot of discussion. Uh, Randall deserves discussion. Everybody in the Knicks deserves discussion because this was a team effort. And, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm in between a rock and a hard place because I have an entire fan base here. A lot of people in this chat, a lot of people watching right now want to see Emmanuel quickly put into the starting lineup and um and never see Alfred Payton again they want that I get it I want it too I want to see 35 minutes of Emmanuel quickly a night and yet if I watch a team go out there and do that and compete that way and give that kind of energy on defense and and be that sound and have that much of Just a plan to compete against a team of this caliber as opposed to years and years and years and years and years past when we've seen Nick teams come out with no plan to come out with competitive teams. I just – I don't know how I'm supposed to look at Tom Thibodeau and say, you're wrong. Something you're doing is incorrect. I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. I know everybody wants me to do that. I know everybody wants him to make a change. And a change will come at some point because the Knicks know, Tom Thibodeau knows, you know, and I know that the ceiling of this team comes with Emmanuel quickly as a starting point guard, but they also have a plan with this kid. They know what they have in quickly. They're bringing him along. And uh, Ian Bagley had a report this week that noted that, uh, you know, the Knicks want to develop him on ball. And you could even see it when he was out there with Randall and with RJ during the times of this game, he doesn't get the ball as much. And that's, not a fault of anyone's. It's just the fact that Julius Randle's playing like an all star right now. And RJ Barrett, as Walt Clyde Frazier pointed out on the broadcast, is playing like a guy who's going to be an all star next year. So quickly he's going to be third on the totem pole in those lineups. And for the Knicks right now, they could kind of have their cake and eat it too, in which they start Peyton. They bring in quickly whenever they bring him in. And he ends up playing, I'm going to assume he played 25, 26 minutes tonight, looking right now. Um, his final minutes total was twenty-seven minutes. You know, do they need someone better than Alfred Payton in there? Absolutely, the Knicks need someone better than Alfred Payton in there. And again, everybody knows that. I guarantee you, Tom Thibodeau is knocking on the front office's door every goddamn morning he gets into that facility the facility and it's like, did you find me a starting point guard today? Did you find me a starting point guard today? I mean, whether that happens is a conversation for another day, but. um, Hold on, I want to give a quick shout-out because, uh, who is this? Diego Campante uh, messaged me on Twitter, and he, was, he said, the Clippers had to keep their best players on the court until late. Quickly, it was being guarded by Kawhi. RJ had to defend um, Kawhi and George. And this game against the Clippers reminded me of what Justin Rowan, who came on the podcast this week, said about the value of being in real games. And I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to look at this game and be like, whoa, wait a minute. The Knicks aren't going anywhere this year. They're probably not a playoff team anyway. And we're, you know, waxing poetic about a game in which Obi Toppin played 12 minutes, Kevin Knox played zero minutes. And, um, you know, Frank Milikina, for those of you who are who are still believing that it's going to happen with this team with Frank, sorry, got news for you, um, like played zero minutes. <sighs> This is, the, this is the difficult line that you have to toe when you're a shitty team and you're trying to become a better team. And it's a line between development, and it's a line between development and winning. And you have to figure out how much does the winning component amplify the development component. And how much does the fact that, yeah, Obi Toppin only played 12 minutes in this game, and during those 12 minutes he was not the vocal point of an offense, but he got those 12 minutes in a game against a team of this caliber, and they were important minutes. And he earned those minutes, and he could feel like he earned those minutes. And did he do anything? No, I think he had two points. But that's a question for Tom Thibodeau, say that's a question for the front office. And I don't pretend like I know the answer. I don't pretend like they know the answer. But I do know that if you watch the NBA, and you've been watching it for as long as I have, you could see the teams that just you know, there is no value on winning games against good teams. They never get good unless they get lucky in the draft and happen to draft a Luka Doncic or a LeBron James or a once every five years type of guy. And by the way, there's a 14% chance of getting that guy this year if he even is that guy. So like I have a little I have a, a little bit of a tough time sitting here and being like the Knicks screwed up because they they're 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 benching Knox and not playing Enough. If you want to tell me that like Payton should be, I see a few people in the chat saying Payton should be sad for Frank Ntilikina. Frank Ntilikina can't be worse than this. I get it, but at the same time, I just watched the same game that you did, and Alfred Payton with the rest of the starting unit looked pretty good. There were a few plays where, like, again, this is where the consistency comes in. They've been playing together this unit for 21 games. I don't know. Um, if you want to say Frank should be starting in place of Peyton, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that you're wrong. But again, I go back to the thing that I said before. I, it's really difficult for me to to call out Tibbs as doing anything wrong um, right now. Um, Taj playing over top and was disrespectful. That's a that's a Tibbs thing. He likes guys in their slots. He likes. Like, if you're a backup center, you're going to play backup center. If you're a backup power forward, you're going to be backup power forward. Should he be more flexible? Maybe, but, you know, you take the good with the bad with this guy, and clearly he has some deep, deep, uh, deep deep-held beliefs. Uh, Yes, Noel was injured. Um, (laughs) I think I know – oh, this is the guy that's always on Twitter, trashing Frank. Frank is trash. Yeah, Um, I see you. Uh, Frank is not trash. Frank needs an opportunity. I don't know if it's going to come with this team, but he's going to be good when he gets an opportunity. Um, all right, let's, I've been a little bit too down, downtrodden for a little bit too harsh on, on people's opinions for, for as happy as we should be, or as happy as you can be for a 15 point loss. I mentioned it the the last time I did one of these. Every team needs to get lucky every now and then. Like you can't always. Like count on getting the exact right guy at the top of the lottery you can't always count on making the perfect free agent signing you can't obviously count on free agents picking you everybody has to get lucky and obviously there is some skill involved there and like what's the phrase like um uh for um, luck is when um opportunity meets whatever the hell it is i already botched it they got lucky with Emmanuel quickly you know, and when you want to say it's, it's Kentucky guys, you know, taking care of their own, whatever it is, he is, you know, my buddy Ray uh, tweeted to me during the game about if, if quickly keeps this up, is he an all rookie teamer? Like that wall parent is great luck. Great comment. Um, preparation. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you, Max. Shout out to Max. What's going on, bud? Um I mean, whatever it is, he's an all rookie first team player if he keeps this up. It's not a question. I I think, I don't think it's over exuberance to call Emmanuel quickly one of the front runners for the rookie of the year award at this point. You know, and and whether, you know, it's going to depend on how many games Charlotte wins. Um, It's going to depend on how many minutes they keep giving Wiseman in Golden State. He played like 13, 14 minutes the last game. Um, I guess if the Kings get good enough and Halliburton keeps putting up these numbers, maybe he gets in the conversation, but if quickly keeps doing this shit and looks like a seasoned pro and, and he averages somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes a game for the rest of the season. And the Knicks finish, I don't know what they have to finish. Do they have to finish 32 and 40? Can they finish 28 and 42? Um, you know, or 28 and 44, my math is bad. I don't know what the record is going to be, is going to have to be for him to actually win it. Someone mentioned Malcolm Brogdon. That's a good com. Like, but but keep in mind, Malcolm Brogdon was on a really good Bucks team and he put up numbers. So it's going to be tough, but uh, he's in the conversation. Um, I love you too, Yusef. Um, <laughs> Kings are just one game behind the Knicks. Good, good point, uh, P- PBD. So, but like, so that's what – I'm, I'm going to take three things from this game, and I'm going to remember this game. I'm going to take the fact that they stayed in this thing until five minutes to go. I'm going to take Emmanuel Quickly's performance, which we could just talk about all day and wax poetic about it because he was that good. And I'm going to take Rowan Barrett Jr. I need to get – I need to get um, a crow. I need to get a, a crow – statue or like a crow like a like a stuffed crow or a paper mache crow and every time that i bring up the name um rj barrett i'm gonna put the crow right in front of my my laptop and the crow is going to be looking at me as i talk to you and it's going to be staring at me in the face and i'm gonna have to look at this motherfucker i'm gonna have to be like you son of a bitch because i just i have to eat it i don't i don't know I don't know how how else to say it. I was talking about this on my halftime zoom about how I was really hard on his last, his rookie year. And I was obviously not able to parse out successfully the difference between what he was unable to do and what the Knicks did not give him to allow him to do what he was able to do. And of course there is a lot of improvement involved, but I, I'm still having trouble wrapping my mind around the fact that this dude that we're watching is the same guy. <laughs> Macri bites the head off. <laughs> um, if you could find me a live crow, Max, I'll I'll, I'll I'll give it a whirl. Um, I, ju- I can't reconcile the fact that this is the same guy that we're that we watched last year because he he wasn't good last year and it's not it wasn't just the spacing. he wasn't converting anything around the rim. There weren't a ton of like tough shots that he made. Not to this level. His defense was nowhere in the vicinity of what we're seeing right now. And I guess if anything, last year is just proof that rookie years are really hard for any NBA player unless you are blessed with the athleticism of a Zion or a John Morant. Or if you come in, you know, being a four-year senior like a Brandon Clark. Um Yeah, and Andrew brings up a good point. R.J. is still shooting forty-two percent from the field and twenty-nine percent from three. But like, this is a dude who went through a zero for twenty-one stretch and a one for twenty-one stretch from three, and he's up to twenty-nine percent. Like, that's significant. And he's, yes, he was struggling from the field earlier this year. I feel like he's turned that corner. Yeah, Tim Duncan. Thank you. Like, if yeah, if you're a Tim Duncan, you're kind of you're gonna come in. And you're and you're gonna come in, you're gonna dominate right away. And there are those guys every year. RJ came into the league at nineteen, and he came into the league at nineteen with a with a system that was just completely dysfunctional, with a coach who didn't know, all due respect to David Fisdale, his ass from his elbow, um, and obviously with the spacing concerns and all the other shit. So, I mean, the fact that he took on the challenge of guarding Kawhi Leonard today and he did it at the other end, there were just so many moves on offense. And uh Clyde said towards the end of the broadcast I don't know if anybody else caught it that he predicted RJ Barrett's going to be an all-star next year. And that's not crazy anymore because he's making tough shots, he's doing it on the defensive end. And I still think he has another level to reach because you could here's where I'm at with RJ, here's the here's the last step that I want to see him take. If he could take it this year great. If not, it's fine. Is for him the playmaking, the the passing and the looking for others and getting others involved more and like making those, those correct passes comes more in games for me. Maybe I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but where he, the shot's not falling and he needs to get to the point. And look, there's like 15 guys in the league that get to this point. So I realized this is a lofty goal where he is definitely towing the line between. It doesn't matter if I have my shot going or not. I am still always going to make the correct play regardless of what the if the correct play is a pass i'm going to make the correct pass if the correct pay is a shot i'm going to make the correct shot um that's the last step for rj because as a defender he's defending at a, a really wonderful level and he's making the tough shots and yeah of course the finishing could use some work and the three-point shooting could use some work but like what else do you want um and uh digital madrid madrigal i hope i got that right he's six foot six and strong that's the thing you can't teach. He's a six foot six, you know, brick shithouse house on wheels. Um, doesn't have the greatest birth, doesn't have the greatest athleticism, but he could. He's working with what he's got, and he's only going to u- figure out how to use that size even more to to his advantage. Is he six seven? Because at the NBA.com and every other site that I could see listen him at six six. I mean, whatever. He's he's big. He's a big boy and he wants and thank you zach for mentioning that zach santos mentions and he wants to be great and he works hard and i don't think anybody has explicitly said this yet because i think we've probably all internalized it he wants to do it here
0: he doesn't want to go we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: fucking la or miami maybe he doesn't we just don't know it it doesn't seem like he wants to go anywhere he wants to stay in new york and he wants to make it happen in new york for the knicks like how do you put a value on that i don't know how you do um mamba mentality yeah he does love being a nick toronto (laughs) he ain't going no fucking well he is canadian that's true uh, let's hope not. Let's hope. Let's let's hope he doesn't have those harbor those desires. Let's see what else we got to talk about. I, again, my apologies to Julius Randle because I've been talking for seventeen minutes um, and I have not mentioned the man's name once because that's where we're at with Julius Randle. I guess is we're just like, oh, okay. He put up twenty-seven points on 18 shots and he was four or five from three and he got to the line six times and he had 12 rebounds and he had five assists against three turnovers, which is fine. Given how much he handled the ball, it's like, okay, it's fine. It's another Julius Randle game. Like this is insane that, that we are at the point where 20 games into the season, Julius Randle's having these games and we're just like, all right, it is what it is. He it's, I hope he makes the all-star team. It's going to be really tough because the East is just loaded. And I don't know, you know, these are real people who vote for these things and and the media votes count for a lot. It's not just the fan vote. Um, And I don't know how many media people are watching these Knicks. And I don't know if media people are realizing how much just every possession that he is in the game, he is the absolute engine. It is him and it is only him and everything that happens that is good for the Knicks um on offense when he is in the game it happens because of something that he's doing like that has immense value and I know there's other guys having really nice years Gordon Hayward Zach Levine um Trey Young I imagine are the guys he's going to be competing with for a spot uh, maybe like Chris Middleton um Malcolm Brogdon like these guys are always all having great years so we'll see I hope I hope he makes it um someone mentioned if Bam makes it over him I'm gonna be mad Here's the thing about Bam. I don't think the Heat are going to stay whatever they are. Um, basically one win for every two losses. I think the Heat are going to figure out a way to get back to close to 500 by the time the, the voting stops. And I think enough voters are going to give Bam the benefit of the doubt because he's been their best player this year. Um, but I do agree that, like again, Randall and Bam, who, who were media people going uh, <laughs> to pick? Lou Williams, just nine points, still feeling hungover from, from Magic City. Good, good comment, Chris. Um, all right, I'm going to take uh, questions for a couple of minutes, and then i got to hop on with uh, Jeremy Cohen for our Sunday podcast. Um, how hungry is Chicago going to be after that loss? My God, I watched the end of that game. That was brutal. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens with Chicago. I'm curious to see what happens with Levine. Do they put him on the market? Um, it's an interesting name uh george hill to the knicks uh man sam Presti is he allowed to trade a player if the player doesn't um return a first round pick because the knicks aren't going to give a first round pick for for george hill um i don't know would you give a second round pick for george Hill? for george hill to start i mean george hill is essentially kind of like a a souped up version of alec burks he's not really a point guard he doesn't really handle the rock all that much he doesn't he doesn't dish it um I mean, I like him, but I don't I don't know that he's necessarily the guy that they're looking for. Um, is ja- <laughs> Zach Zach Kupperman. is Jared Jack available? I think he is gonna be in the G-League but although I'm not 100 percent sure. Hey, Frank, my man Frank Kachola. The respect um that vets have league-wide for Emmanuel Quickly is a really good sign. They know he's legit. If I could if I could riff on that for a second, Frank, um that's why this is so important. It's like It's different than when the Knicks drafted, you know, Willie Hernan Gomez. And Willie Hernan Gomez was like putting up numbers and he made the all rookie first team. Like, nobody gives a shit about Willie Hernan Gomez. All due respect to him. Um, When Landry Fields, right? When Landry Fields came in and started some games for us and was a contributor to a winning team. And, um, you know, I don't know how many minutes he was playing a night and whatever. Like, no one gives a shit about Landry Fields. But when a guy is doing this shit, and shows that he's a walking bucket, yes, absolutely. Players see that around the league and they respect it. And that is the type of dude who all of a sudden other players are going to look around and be like, wait a minute, I can I can play with Emmanuel quickly and, I and RJ Barrett and Julius Randle? Okay. And if Obi Toppin gets it going, now we can start having a conversation. Um, they really put Kawhi on quickly. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They put the, I mean, that's the ultimate sign of respect. I think uh, Bobby, Bobby Marks had that tweet. All right. I'm going to take a couple more. Do you think Tibbs messed up with the rotation in the fourth? I, what? Because he left RJ Barrett on the bench for an extra couple of possessions. Would he like to have that back? Probably. Um, I think, you know, Tibbs coaches by his gut to a certain extent. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong. Um, but the Knicks are 9 and 12. It's a better record than they have any right to have. Um, So did he mess up? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not personally, I don't mind. All right, let's do, uh, did you see the new info on the Reddick trade rumors? I did not, although I have to imagine they're going to be listening to anybody who wants to, uh, who wants to take Reddick off their hands. Um, should we go after Levine? Oh, wait. I'll take two more because David Futternick just answered. Should the Knicks send Dennis Smith Jr. and two picks back to the Mavericks for Luka? I don't know. I'm going to have to sleep on that one, David. It's a good question, though. Um, Should the the Knicks go after Levine? Yeah, sure. Why not? I don't know what the price tag is going to be. But if you're telling me that I could get Zach Levine for a first-round pick and – Kevin Knox, and we give the maybe still cheap Bulls some salary relief. I'd be down for that, um, but I have a feeling they're going to ask for a lot. That's my gut feeling. Is they're going to ask for more than the Knicks are going to want to um, spend, especially since Levine's going to be a free agent in two years, and uh, you know maybe we just sign him. All right, that's it. Um, I am going to no field slander. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to slander Landry Fields. I'm just, I'm making a point. Emmanuel Quick is really good. Uh, okay. Yes, Lamar Peters to the Knicks. I miss Lamar Peters. Okay. I'm going to go record a podcast with uh, Jeremy Cohen. Stay tuned for that uh, to drop tomorrow. And stay tuned for another um, another live stream uh, tomorrow. And what else? Did I forget anything? Oh, yeah. If you haven't subscribed to this channel, subscribe to the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. Um, because, you know, my producer, Andrew Claudio, was working his ass off to try to establish this as like a real thing. And, um, we're proud of it and we hope you, you know, people watch some of the stuff that we do. So, uh, subscribe and, uh, I'll see everybody, uh, manana. Be well.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.